We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. So we're pumped to produce uh, and share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. It's coming from Blue Wire Studios. Uh, Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends, narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly each Monday. So today we're recording this Monday night. Two new episodes will take a look into some of the soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Coutinho, and many more each. Uh, episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode. Listen to Golden Goal stories of soccer legends wherever you get your podcast. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. All right. Welcome to the Light Years Podcast, Andy Lou Solo Edition. Now, we get a certain amount of downloads every week. I love it. You know, we were doing pretty good. We've been doing this podcast for like, I don't know, three, four years, Ben. Uh, I don't know how long it's been. Sounds about right. That sounds about <laughs> right. It, it, time, time is frozen as far as I'm concerned. So I actually yeah. don't know how long it's been. It's it's Monday. I sometimes I work out. I go for a run at like six, and all of a sudden I finish my workout at like nine p.m. I have no idea what's going on. Um, this is the first time, however, that you know producer Ben's on the call. He's gonna be you know he's gonna be helping out, but I'm gonna be running this shit solo. Uh, see, I'm already swearing. Uh, if we got got some feedback that people don't like that I swear too much, they say they listen to the uh, what their wives and their or their wife and their kids. Yeah, so they they throw it on. I'm I'm throwing <laughs> f bombs. So I I try to uh. I try to keep it as, as low 
uh, low as possible, I think. I feel like um, that's on them at this point, no? Like you just, <laughs> you just got to know your your hosts and your shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's true, especially when it's me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we're gonna get my Colin Cowherd on. I, uh, I'm gonna do my best here. Hopefully, the uh, the segment that listens to Sam uh, listens to me. If it's only for just the first ten minutes, you know, do do the whole five star review. Yeah, ours has been kind of pumping up a little bit. You know, people love us. You know, some people love to hate us. You know, classic. I think they love to hate me more than Sam. Uh, they do love Sam, but he's on vacation. He's taking a few days off. He'll be back for for premium, which. Uh, you know, if you uh, if you don't subscribe to Lightyear's Premium, you should. Uh, basically, we do uh, more podcasts, um, giveaways, Discord chat. Discord chat was great the other day. Uh, Jonathan Ma, who is probably like the the uh, the most outspoken uh, Lightyear's podcast listener, he uh, he went at Sam and I. He said uh, he said we he said we mailed in the Lightyear's uh, Premium podcast uh, because we didn't discuss. We didn't go in depth about what type of player that Michael Carter Williams was, but fret not, I will not be going into what type of player that Michael Carter Williams is in this podcast. But uh, I threw out a, uh, I threw out a, a couple tweets for people uh, to ask me questions. I got like maybe too many, like fifteen or twenty questions. So we, we'll be going through all of them uh, and, and kind of letting people know, um, you know, we can. Do this Lightyear's podcast thing without Sam. Nah, um, I miss him. I want him back. I need him back ASAP. I did too much prep for this. I never want to do it again. Without further ado, let's get into the fun stuff. Um, All right, Ben, hit me. Hit me. I'm ready to go. All right. The first question comes from actually your co-host himself. He uh, he took some time out out of his vacation to hit you with a very, very good question. So from Sam. Last week, frenemy of the show Ethan Strauss wrote an article on Tamper Palooza in the bubble. One quote was, the next super team will be formed here. This is a two-parter. Predict who it'll be and where it'll be. And how concerned are you, the Warriors, and particularly Steph, not being there, will hurt their ability to get highly sought vets in free agency? classic sam the guy you know he deserves a break the guy works too hard um and he just he finds a way to just he just finds a way to to prepare for the show without even you know being part of the show so shouts to sam obviously um all right so predict who the next super team will be the first one that comes to mind now this team isn't in the bubble but just i'll talk about teams that are in the bubble but my, my thought process is you know a couple of things you got to have a super team that they've already had a pre-existing relationship. I don't, I don't really think that any of these guys are going into the bubble and coming out and saying, oh, we're now suddenly best friends. You know, I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that uh, someone like Luka Doncic is going into the bubble and all of a sudden he comes out and he's just just buddy-buddy with Jimmy Butler, right? I don't, I don't really see that happening. Um, to me, the next super team is probably going to be Devin Booker uh, going to Minnesota. Uh, and playing with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Those guys, they, they have had a magazine cover together. They played on teams before together. They're, they're close friends. Um, and really, they, they all kind of have the same mindset. Um, and this is not kind of like in a disparaging tone, or maybe it is. These guys are kind of stack guys. You know, big stack guys. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you know, one of the most gifted, if not the most gifted offensive big in the, in the NBA. Um, maybe throw AD in there, but he's right at the top. Um, you know he's he's gone through a lot this this pandemic. So you know I I, I don't want to kind of 
go at Conte Towns a little bit, but he's he's an offense first guy and he's never really helped this team win. Um, but he, he's still a good player um, in, in a bad situation. Uh, but he's got that kind of uh, uh, got that kind of credibility around the league right now. Now you got the next guy, D'Angelo Russell, and I think he's kind of maybe more on that wavelength. And I think that's part of why uh, the Warriors felt like, hey, we kind of can't play with this guy. I think they've always known that, uh, but it, it became pretty obvious. I think during, during mini camp that hey, this guy, you know, he's got some talent and he's pretty good on offense, but you know he has to has to have the ball a little bit. He kind of needs stuff to revolve around him and, you know, maybe not good enough for, for all of that. And then you throw in Devin Booker, who, who you know, huge talent, huge numbers. You know, he scored a bunch of points. I think he was like almost breaking Kobe's record of 80, 81, right? So the, the guy can ball, the guy can score. Um, but another guy that plays no defense, another guy that's the Suns have, haven't won anything with him. Again, terrible situation, not great teammates. Um, so three, these three guys to me, very similar. Um, and it doesn't hurt that, you know, they're close friends. So I think they find a way to play with each other. Um, do they win? Unlikely. I think there may be a sub 500. Maybe, maybe they have a season or so that they win 50 games, but, um, but I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a winning team unless they find a veteran. Um, so a couple other teams that I think are, are in the bubble and, and maybe find, are able to, to make new friends or <laughs> find new guys. So easy one here, Anthony Davis, LeBron. That's an easy one. LeBron, one of the best recruiters in the NBA. Um, I think they know that they want Damian Lillard. They've asked Damian Lillard if he wants to go to LA. I think Dame has turned down um, the the kind of idea that he wants to go to LA. I think part of him is he's truly, truly does want to stay in Portland. He, he does want to build something out there. And you know, may, maybe he can't do it. Maybe I think at some point he realizes I can't win with with just CJ and, and a bunch of these guys and bloated contracts. So, so maybe not. But I, I think AD and LeBron are you know right at the top. That's the obvious pick. Um, you know, I think I think Kawhi and, and PG are there as well. Uh, Kawhi's probably a sneaky recruiter. Um, he got PG to do it. I don't know if they were best friends beforehand. I don't think so. Um, but that's certainly someone he was able to recruit. Kind of call him and say. Hey, get your way out! Of the, uh, get your way out, of OKC. Let's let's come play in LA. Uh, now that part of that might be because it's LA. Part of that might be it's Kawhi. Um, and you got to look at the cap situation too with the Clippers, where they got to pay. You know, they don't have to pay, but they're gonna. Ha- they might lose Montres Harrell and a couple other of these guys. So, um, but the Clippers certainly, you know, if you talk about recruiting, um, I think that they've got a little cash there. Uh, Doc Rivers is certainly a coach that people love. Um, the one team that I do like a lot. Uh, moving forward, and I think that maybe they've got um, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I, I like, you know, I like everyone else. Luka Doncic, amazing. Generational talent. Uh, fantastic player. Don't know how he is as a recruiter. You know, he's still new in the NBA. But I think you have a team that's like people want to play for. And I think a lot of the times you look at, you know, one of the best recruiters in the league or ever, Steph Curry. People just want to play with Steph Curry. They want to play with him because he's fun. He has fun. He's easy to play with. Um, and he's someone that you don't feel like you're stepping on his toes when you're playing with him. Um, so I don't know if Luka Doncic is that guy, but I do think that he's on an upward trend to where guys want to play with that guy. They know he's going to be a superstar for the next decade, barring something crazy. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks uh, 
cap looks pretty good. You know, a lot, you know, money comes off now depends on what the salary cap is going to be next year, but they've got 84 million on the book next year uh, and 63 the year after. Now they do have to pay Luka Doncic uh, two years from now, obviously extend him to whatever money he wants. But I think they have the ability, they have the money and they have the players to where, you know, I, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis is out here saying, well, I need 25 shots or, or get me out of here. Right. So, so, uh, and, and Luka Doncic is certainly someone, if you're, I don't, I'm not going to say Giannis, but maybe if you're someone that's kind of in the middle tier there, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a super superstar that, that wants to go there, but a mid tier type of guy, um, you know, if Paul George would be perfect again, he's in LA, but the type of those contracts are built out so that they don't even, these guys don't stay there at the teams that they play in more than a couple of years. Um, so I think, you know, these, these type of guys are just perfect um, to, to end up in, in somewhere like Dallas and, and see if they can, uh, you know, post LeBron, post Steph, post KD and, and see if they can get a championship. Um, all right, moving on. So how concerned are you with the Warriors not being there? Um, you know, I think that question stems from the fact that uh, the, the Olympics kind of helped spur on the, uh, the Steph, uh, KD and Iguodala, right? They all went to church together. Uh, one of the reasons why these guys do love playing with Steph or do want to come play with Steph is they want to be like Steph. They look at this guy as like a wholesome, you know, wholesome church going man. And, you know, they want to be like that type of guy. That was one of the reasons that KD wanted to come. Um, for Giannis specifically, I don't think it matters that much. I think for someone like, St- for someone like Giannis, I think he kind of just knows, look, if I want to play with Steph, I'm going to play with Steph. I don't need to kind of meet him in the bubble and things like that. Now, from the perspective that, you know, can the Warriors, you know, would it have been good if Steph was there in the bubble with Marcus Saul? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, probably. Like, it would have been nice if Steph was there. But again, a lot of these veterans, they know. Like, they know that, look, if 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 they know, they, they're probably like Marcus Saul's like, look, I'm going to try to get $10 million a year for, for I'm kind of a three-year, $33 million contract, right? Like, I'm going to try to get that. And if I can't get it, I kind of know where, where I want to go. I think with these guys is it's I'm a veteran. I know how the Warriors work. Marcus has played Steph in the postseason like four years ago. Like he knows him. Um, so I, I think that's not a big deal. Maybe maybe someone like Joel Embiid, right? Maybe you look at someone like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons um, where look, the Philly implodes. Maybe the Warriors go look at one of those guys. Yeah, maybe. Um, but beyond that, I, I think people know Steph. People know Steph. People want to play with Steph. I don't, I don't think that's really a problem. Um, this is not, you know, 2013 anymore. Um, Steph is one of the guys that people want to play for, and uh, and I don't think it's an issue. All right, all right. Uh, we're gonna move on now to the uh, the Twitter questions. First up, we have at HDMIII1998. 1998. So that's that's uh, it's a young person and, yeah. a, and a lot of eyes. Um, it's actually a, a very very well written question. So. I'm excited for this. If Andy got his wish and ran another foundational organization player out of town and Stephen Douglas Kerr was no longer the head basketball coach of the Golden State Warriors for some reason, who would be the top three candidates to replace him? And who would you want to be the coach slash who are the best fits? And there's also another question alongside this. Would Andy trade two Warriors championships for one Niners Super Bowl win? Jeez. There's a lot to unpack in that question, but have at it. 
this is this is how you know Ben. We're we're deep in a quarantine. We're we're, tra- right. we're we're trading championships for for other championships. But we'll we'll take a stab at this thing, huh? Um, first of all, you know, friend of the program Ricky G, a little too sensitive. Okay, gets really pissed off at me over the weekend because I'm saying that Steve Kern and Kyle Shanahan are are you know maybe too smart for their own good. By the way, not even really a criticism. It's it's like I'm saying that they're too smart for their own good. Now, I guess it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but you know, it's just these guys are sharp guys. They're elite coaches and and sometimes I feel like they do a little do do a little too much when keeping it simple is probably the best way to do it. You know, pick and roll works, keep running a pick and roll. Run play works to Raheem Mostert, keep running it. Um but these guys like to kick cute. Um and that's fine. They're t- both top 3 coaches in the NFL and, and NBA respectively in my opinion. Um now, I don't want Steve Kerr to not be the coach of the Warriors. Definitely not. We all saw what happened with Mark Jackson. We all saw um, me growing up. I had to, you know, Mike Montgomery, uh, Eric Musselman. Don Nelson was okay. You know, he, he, was, he was a breath of fresh air just in terms of someone like me. He was a little younger. Um, was fun to watch his teams. So let's start with there. Um, realistic coaching candidates. It, to me, you know, I, I don't think the Warriors would take a gamble on some of these college guys. You know, I, I don't think they'd go somewhere like Cal Perry or something like that. Like, like I know Lakeup would probably want a big splash type of guy. Um, they were looking at Stan Van Gundy. Um, I think they probably were going to hire Stan Van Gundy or extend an offer if Steve Kerr didn't want the job. So, you know, I, I think that that's someone that they would look at. It's just like a bigger name. Um, it's probably it. You know, Eric Spolster, Brad Stevens, a lot of these coaches that you know, Nick Nurse, even really good coaches, not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Like they're not. They're not leaving their respective places. They're all winners. Um, so for me, what I'm looking for from a coach, you probably want someone that's willing to work with the players, right? You you want someone, um, that's kind of bringing in the next phase of of Warriors, right? It's not just going to be about Steph and and Clay and, and Draymond anymore. You want them to to teach and develop, you know, Anthony Edwards or Devin Vassell. Um, and then next year's first round pick, you know, a lot of these younger guys, cause you know, at a certain point you, you don't, you know, we don't know if Steve Kirk can do that. Um, and that's why you bring in a, a coach that can, I think that's important. Um, you know, and, and also taking account advanced stats. Um, I think that's a big one. I think, you know, with Mark Jackson, he didn't care. I mean, he didn't care about anything really um, outside of just kind of getting his name out there. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why he's not hired since, um, but you want someone that takes into account advanced stats. I think, you know, Steve Kerr is right there, um, sharp. I think you look at the top coaches of the NBA, they all care about advanced stats. It's, a, it's about a balance. You don't want to be that guy. You know, Gabe Kapler is the, uh, the manager of the Giants, and, and a lot of the criticism that he gotten in the past is, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really care about, you know, what the players want to do or anything like that. He's very just kind of uh, precise and, hey, let's do it this way because the numbers state we got to do it this way, right? And, and sometimes players aren't comfortable with that. And sometimes players not being comfortable with doing that is more important than gaining a 0.050 batting average uh, advantage, right? Sometimes you got to cater to the players a little bit. And Steve Kerr is like probably the best at it in the NBA. Um, that's why Kevin Durant came. That's why, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, David West, all of these veterans, they come, Andre Godala, they come because they're like, hey, you know, we, we want to play, you know, with Steph, but also we understand that, that Steve Kerr is able to do that. I'm, God, now I'm going on, 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 on Steve Kerr, how much I like him. It's ridiculous. Um, I don't think they'd go with retreads like Mark Jackson or Tibbs or anything like that. Um, Atkinson, I think the guy that just got fired from the Nets, I think is probably going to be would be my pick because he's shown, uh, he's shown the ability to develop players. That Nets team, they were fantastic uh, for a young team. 
He developed guys like D'Lo, ironically, um, Dinwiddie, uh, Karis LeVert, uh, these guys, that, uh, Jared Allen, you know, the, these young guys that, that needed him, that, that needed development. And, and, you know, maybe managing the big egos are a little bit tougher. That's why KD and Kyrie kicked them out. But again, Steph Curry is not Kyrie and, Kyrie and KD. So um, I think he's right there. A uh, couple of the names I other threw out that I thought of, you know, Jen Collins would be nice. He's, he's in an, he would be an internal promotion. Um, and then Ime Udoka used to play on the Spurs. You know, I think the Warriors, they want to be the Spurs. Why don't you draft someone from the Spurs? He's been there for like seven years. Uh, he's certainly doing something right. Um, so maybe I'd look at that. Um, but other than that, you know, I don't know assistant coaches. I'm not going to pretend like I know. Um, so moving on, I'd probably go with uh, Kenny Atkinson. He's probably be my guy. Um, and I think, I think he'd want the job. Um, it'd be a, a good place for him. Again, not going to happen. Steve Kerr staying his coach. Um, would I trade two Warriors titles for one Niners title? No. No. Get the, no. What is this? Um, I will say the, uh, the first Niners loss uh, against Baltimore is pretty rough. That was, uh, yeah, it was a lot rougher than, uh, than against Kansas City, I think. I think losing to Joe Flacco uh, hurts a little bit more, uh, especially when he really just played well that one postseason um, versus losing to a half-billion-dollar man that we think might become the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I don't think I have any issues with that, though, you know, to me, it's like the Niners probably should have won that game, but I wouldn't say they choked it either. You get beat by a guy like that, you get beat. Um, but the reason why I wouldn't trade it is I think the Niners are going to be consistent and relevant, relevant for a long time. I think they're going to be good here longer than the, than the Warriors are going to be good. Um, I, I think they've got uh, the, it's, basketball is just harder, right? Just to stay that relevant. Well, it's all, it's all hard to stay great like that. But I think the Niners have they've shown, or at least I think they've shown the ability to have a system, Kyle Shanahan's offensive system, kind of like Bill Belichick's defensive system, where it's just always going to be good. It's always going to keep them in games. I think I think they have a scouting department and a development team. You know, the D line coach, the defensive coach, um, and, and kind of like a um, kind of a philosophy and and, a, and the smarts in the front office, especially with the way they do contracts. I think they just have a lot of IQ there. I think kind of like the Warriors when they first started, a lot of IQ in the analytics department for the Warriors, in the health department, in the scouting department. Travis Schlank, you know, um, you know, that, that, and I forget his name, Gar, Gar, Garf, Garf, Galfond, uh, Phil, I think might be thinking of a poker player, but the anal- analytics guy that they had to, uh, that had to leave. So I think the Warriors, they lost a lot of talent and I think the Niners still have that talent. Um, and in the NFL, you can replace guys a little bit easier, a little bit easier. Look, you, you lose Draymond for a season the, the Warriors aren't winning the championship, right? Um, if the Niners, for some reason, lose D Ford or Fred Warner, they can still win the Super Bowl. Um, it's just it's more it's simply more players, twenty two players. So you're able to to replace a little bit more. The, the Eagles they lost a quarterback and won the Super Bowl. Now it's like you know once in a once in a lifetime type of thing, especially when you're playing the Patriots. But uh, I think the Niners are uh, I think they're going to be good for a long time. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. All right, moving on. Oh, All God. right. Here we go uh, from at Channel Designs. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, I'm just going to read these questions verbatim because I, I, I they're just going to come off better that way. This is the question. It's not even really a question because there's no question mark. It just says top 25 ABG slash K-pop idols. Go. Oh, boy. Um, all right. So 
I'll keep this brief. I don't know if the people want to listen to this. Eh, they're probably some. Um, so I think, okay, so we'll keep the ABG one for later. Actually, we'll start there. You know, I haven't been a big ABG guy lately. Just not, that's not how my IG feed has been. I, I veered onto the, uh, the more foreign um, taste uh, of women. So more the Fabi type, Korean, Japanese. Um, they're just, they're all overseas. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, it, it's, uh, the ABG, it's a little overplayed now, you know, in San Francisco, big Asian population. Um, maybe it's part of, it's just, I know some, or I've hung out with some, or I've partied with some. And the other part is I just, I just like the Fabier type of a woman now. So <laughs> we'll leave that one there. Uh, K-pop idols. All right. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a tw- top 25 here, but let, let me kind of go over some things that I've noticed, some trends that I've noticed in the past year uh, or the past six months during quarantine that I've kind of just, I think I've consumed Ben, like maybe 10 K dramas since quarantine. I, I need you to come up with a list and send them to my mom. Cause that's like her new obsession. I, I visited her like two weeks ago and that's all she watched all night with no explanation as to how she got into this. So I said, oh. I know a guy. <laughs> who oh. might have some recommendations? So I'm gonna we, uh, need I'm gonna need a list once we get out uh, out of the show. Oh yeah, and I and I think there was a question down here. I'm sure somebody asked for a list. So I'm gonna do a little breakdown and then I'll text you the uh, uh, list and analysis after. I got a whole thing. But uh, I think with K-pop idols, I think the most important thing that I've noticed is a lot of these K-pop idols. You know, they they debut early too. It's like it, and they call it like they debut, right? It's kind of like different from Americans where like you can get famous just on YouTube. It's not really a debut. You just kind of get famous. You know, part of it's just Korea is a lot smaller, right? It's like 30 to 50 million people, I want to say. Um, but they do this debut thing. And a lot of times, like the really, really famous, most talented K-pop idols are the ones that sing and act. Um, so they do both. Now, you don't see that much, right? In America, it's like, you know, you think of kind of Beyonce or, or Taylor Swift, right? Or you think of, well, I'm going to say Kanye, but he's a bit of a joke now. But, you know, some of these guys are just, they're just, they're just singers or they're just rappers or, you know, I'm not going to do EDM because they're just not as famous as some of these singers. But you talk about these actors too, like let's talk, let's say like Matt Damon or, you know, Christian Bale or someone like that. They're just actors. You know, in Korea, it's like they do both. And I think that's what makes it so talented. And they're good at both. Um, and I think that's what makes it so, you know, you watch Bradley Cooper and, um, What's that movie that I'm thinking of with Lady Gaga? Star is Born. Uh, really good. Star is, Star is Born. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Um, yeah, last 30 minutes really had me. Um, but, you know, Bradley Cooper can't sing. He's awful. It's absolutely awful. I don't know what he was doing. Lady Gaga can act, though. She could do both. Um, but that's rare in America where it's like, oh, man, that's, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So with that, um, IU, people, if they follow me, they know, they know this one. She, uh, she's an elite singer. Uh, she's like the Taylor Swift of Korea. Elite singer, also a great actor. I wrote here elite singer and dancer, but elite singer and actor. Uh, she's done like maybe five, six K-dramas. My favorite one is the one with her in it. Um, I actually got into that drama. I didn't even know who she was. I just watched it and thought, wow, this is amazing. Uh, the guy in Parasite is in that show. Um, I'll do a little breakdown later. But, uh, but just amazing uh she does both so she's my favorite uh k-pop idol and then uh and then this guy uh which is actually her friend uh kim su win he actually kim su win is vietnamese kim su hoon maybe uh he does both too um so he does a bunch of uh he's a singer he does a bunch of netflix show uh, and the thing with some of these korean or all these korean uh 
at least the male side is they got to do military enlistment. So it's always interesting. Uh, they like take a two year break, right? Even like you watch UFC Korean zombie. Um, he was kind of at his peak there. And then he just has to do a two year, you know, military enlistment and he's just gone. Right. And now he's back. So I'm going with those two guys. Um, top K-pop idols. All right, we're moving on. I think the people have had enough. Man, that's I just want to commend your versatility to go from like who would take over Steve Kerr in a hypothetical coach change to just Korean pop and Korean dramas. Oh, your versatility yeah. is unmatched uh, in the in the podcast space, Andy. All right, let's, let's go on to uh, at I'm going to mispronounce this at Kanka Group, Kanka Group. I'm sorry, I, I, it's K A N K A Group. Uh, this is their question. Following on from a question I saw on Twitter regarding who had the best skill set in the NBA if you take away athleticism, who are the top three Warriors of all time based on skill set only? Okay, so first off, I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be 29 next month. Uh, Will Chamberlain is not on the list for me. Didn't watch him. Rick Barry, not on the list for me. Didn't watch him. Chris Mullen, not on the list for me. Didn't watch him. Um, So I can't go with those guys, right? Even run TMC. Didn't watch Mitch Richmond. Didn't watch those guys play. I know there's a run TMC question here. And hey, look, if you're an older Warriors fan, I'm sorry. Can't help it. I'm not 38. Go ask Sam. Um, so to me, the top three Warriors of all time based on skill set only, it's too easy almost. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Baron Davis. Like, is there even a question? Just kind of these guys that are just... I mean, you're talking about not even best skill set of Warriors all time. These guys have some of the best skill sets in the NBA of all time, right? Like Steph Curry is probably top three skill set of the NBA right now. Um, Kevin Durant, seven footer. That just got a handle that's on par with, you know, some of the best guards in the, in the world. It's just, just not ordinary. And then Baron Davis, he just, uh, just great i think he's a, i think he's a more forceful better ball handler better decision making than steph curry uh, I, I think he is and and uh and that's what made him so great and that's what made him one of my favorite players ever um so when you talk about skill sets i'll, I'll say a few things especially in warriors history too uh, warriors have had no bigs um so that's not even the conversation for me there's just there's no bigs <laughs> maybe they draft james wiseman you know maybe he immediately shoots up the best big in terms of skill set i don't know but they they don't have any bigs there um, to me, skill sets range from everything, right? It's it's the ability to play off ball, which Steph does, the ability to handle, ability to to kind of have uh, a, a, a not not just like a highlight handle, but just the IQ, right? To kind of like and Steph and Katie are really good at this. And I almost almost thought of put of almost thought of putting Andre Godal on the list just because the guy is so damn smart offensively and defensively that I think that's one of the most special skill sets that you can have in the NBA is IQ. And you can't really gauge that, you know, maybe plus minus, maybe weighted, you know, maybe net rating, that type of stuff you can, but it's not tangible. Um, It's not tangible. And I think that's why, you know, I, Iguodala and Draymond would be right there for me. I think that's the most underrated, important skill set um, in the league. But, you know, if you're talking about the flashy and, and, you know, stuff that guys can do just athletically uh, and people don't know how quick Steph is um, and just to change a pace and just anticipation when he's handling and when he's playing off ball, these guys are just, um, there's not much stuff to say. Um, all right, next one. All right, next up, we've got a question from at Katsumi. Which second-year player will make the biggest leap next season? Pascal, Poole, Smiley, and why? 
Um, well, it's not going to be Smiley H. Although, if he makes some type of leap, it's going to be extraordinary. Um, he was him and Jordan Poole were probably like one of the worst players in the NBA in all of NBA last year. Um, again, the guys are like, you know, Smiley's like 19 and Poole's like 20, right? And it's like these guys are thrown in here and they're having to play against, you know, the Portland Trailblazers. And you're like, my goodness, what do you expect these guys to do? Um, you know, you look at the Spurs and, you know, they don't even play DeJounte Murray in year one. They don't even play uh, these, you know, some of these guys, Bryn Forbes or these guys, they, they develop them in the G League first and then they bring them up and they're 22, 23. And then, you know, they're ready to play. And, you know, these guys were put in, you know, tough situations uh, with Jordan Poole and Smiley Keech. I don't think that they're going to be rotation players at any point in the NBA career, especially for a playoff team. But, you know, it has to be said that they're put in positions to fail, essentially. Um, they're learning on the fly. Um, so I throw Smiley Geach out of there. Poole, you know, he's just, I mean, there's just, what's the redeeming factor for Jordan Poole, right? It's not like he's super athletic or super quick or super long or super rangy or, you know, he's not even a knockdown shooter. I guess at some point he's going to be able to shoot 35, 36%, but like something like that. It's like, you want him to be at 38 at least. I don't know if he gets there. So not him. So the answer default is probably Pascal. He shoots 28.7 from three. Defensively, it was okay. Um, he certainly didn't show the kind of feel that Draymond had his rookie season where you watch Draymond the first season, you're like, oh man, you know, this guy can't shoot. You know, he might not be able to score, but he can play some defense and he can make some right decisions on offense. And with Pascal, it's like, yeah, he, he don't really pass, but certainly a more gifted scorer than Draymond. Um, defensively, we'll see where he goes. I, I throw the Paul Millsap uh, comp out all the time, and uh, that, I think that's that's what you want. That's what you want with uh, with Pascal. Maybe a poor man's Millsap, even. Um, Damian Lee is probably an underrated guy. He's not, you know, in a second year or anything bad. He's a little bit older. Um, he played two seasons ago, um, but didn't play many minutes. But I think that's probably the guy you want to look at if you know second season, quote unquote, of real minutes. I think Damian Lee. Not, I'm not the hugest fan. But I think that's just more of my gripes, my pet peeves. I just the guy just plays too fast and a lot of boneheaded decisions, but makes a lot of good plays. Uh, he's a good cutter, very good shooter. Um, tries really hit on hard on defense. You know, not mo- not the most athletic, but you got to be somewhat. You know, you got to want it on defense, and and it's kind of cliche, but uh, he does, he does. Um, you know, so so maybe Damian Lee will be that guy uh, for the Warriors. I like that squeezing in Damian Lee in there. All right. Yeah. Next question from at phase T N N R best traded player exception option for the Warriors and why he, they list some names, Aaron Gordon, Dennis Schroeder, Justice Winslow, Rudy Gay, Evan Fournier or others. All right, go ahead. Oh boy. Ben, how many times do you think we've got this? Uh, we've got this question. I think during, uh, during quarantine. How many times? <laughs> I, I, feel, yeah. like I, I, don't, I don't know if we could put an actual number on it, but I'm setting the over under, if I had to guess, at like 50, 49 and a <laughs> half, maybe. Yeah, we, we've done maybe 30 podcasts and just, just 50 times we've gotten this. Um, but, you know, let me let me kind of do a thorough, uh, not a thorough, but let me throw some names. So you threw out Shooter, Winslow, Gay. I, I did this in tears a little bit. I also put in Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, Kelly Oubre. Uh, some of the smaller names is going to leave out because who cares? Um, highest upside for me would probably be Aaron Gordon. Um, maybe not because of who the player you know he is, um, although he does have some fascinating potential. Uh, but it just it just has the ability to kind of bring back the death lineup. 
just has the ability to, to, to get that back. And, you know, it's still good enough to win, in my opinion. You know, me and Sam argue about this all the time. He's not here to, to defend himself anymore. Amazing. Um, but I think that, you know, Gordon has the ability to, to play that four position and rebound and protect the rim enough and enough interchange interchangeability and, uh, you know, get his three point to, to a, a place that he can stay on the floor. Um, you know, a little bit, bit better of a finisher and, and a little bit better of a perimeter defender than Harrison Barnes, um, which is what I would assume that the Warriors are trying to get back to. So in this lineup, I'd probably think of uh, Wiggins at the two, Clay at the three, you know, kind of downsizing Clay a little bit as he gets a little older, but mostly interchangeable because these guys are going to be switching a lot. You know, maybe that way doesn't win anymore, but I think the highest upside is to just kind of bet on that again. And just to say, you know, you haven't really lost with the death lineup. You haven't really. Um, and so maybe you run that back. And again, you're losing Andre Gdala, who's incredible, just in keeping that flow together, keeping that, you know, team together uh, when they're messing around and screwing up. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you have Steph, it's a little out of it. Sometimes you have Draymond, who's going fucking insane. And uh, you need someone like Andre. And I don't know if they, they, they're not going to have that. They're just not. Wiggins not that. Gordon's not that. Any, none of these guys that they can get are going to be that. But, uh, but maybe, maybe they squeeze one out. Um, and, and I think that one, you know, is good upside. Um, you know, maybe they have to give up a pick. I don't know. Maybe the money, you know, they'd have to do a three team. You know, the logistics are going to be a little bit tough, but let's just say you get Aaron Gordon. I think that gives you the highest upside. Um, quick, quickest and most seamless fit for me, uh, would be Josh Richardson and Marcus Smart. Um, so those guys are in a bucket for me, just easy fits. Just, you didn't have, you don't have to worry about, you know, how they're going to play with the team. Josh Richardson, just easy guy at the two, interchangeable with Clay Thompson. Again, tough to play that with with Andrew Wiggins in the closing lineup. But you want good players? Josh Richardson is a freak. He's probably the best player on this list. And so you want him. Um, he was a number one option on Miami uh, a few years ago. Did not do well. Uh, low efficiency. But again, he's not going to be that for the Warriors. Um, really good defender. Uh, streaky shooter, but good enough. Um, and a, a decent enough score. Uh, Marcus Smart, uh, not the same thing, just not the same type of score, but just kind of a dog, you know, as, as people say. It's really good defensively. Um, you know, he can kind of play that three, and, you know, he could be like that feisty guy that plays the four, you know, for a few minutes. You know, probably not effective long-term, but if you need him to downsize and play that four and throw a wrench in things, like, it would be pretty sweet to watch that, right? You know, Steph, Smart, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond again. They might not get a rebound, but that's pretty fun. Um, so those would be pretty easy fits. Uh, some of the gambles for me, Winslow and Ubre, I put in terms of uh, gambles, not the same player, but both have upside. Um, I like Winslow personally a little bit more. I think he has a higher floor. Uh, Ubre, I just think is just not. He's like got Kyle Kuzma brain to me. Just maybe not the brightest bulb in the room. Um, just but he's got talent, right? Just smart. I'm sorry, just a. Just a good shooter, uh, uh, long, rangy wings. It's kind of a prototypical wing that you want as an upside guy. Um, I, I just don't know if I take too much of a gamble on that. Uh, we talked about Winslow in the last pod, and then some of the floor guys, you know, Schroeder, Rudy Gay, Fournier. Uh, you know, I, I'd rank them in terms of ability. <sighs> maybe, maybe Schroeder first, just because he's he's a great backup point guard. But again. You want to use a trade player exception on a backup point guard? It's probably not going to close games. Rudy Gay, solid wing, close games sometimes, sometimes not. You know what you're going to get with Rudy Gay. Evan Fournier's interesting, he's a good shooter, 
good scorer. But again, just how are you going to finish games with them? Um, but these guys, you know what you're getting. They're good players. The good players, I wouldn't be pissed. Just wouldn't be that exciting. Rookie Rubio is another one. <laughs> just kind of, you know, you know, you know what's going to happen when you get these guys. Again, I, I also, I don't think Joe Lacob is going to pay. I don't think he's going to say yes. If, if Bob Myers says, hey, we have a trade for Evan Fournier, I don't know if Joe, Joe Lacob's going to have he's going to have to get convinced and I don't blame him. So I guess this leads to the next question, huh? Uh, kind of does. Uh, from at SSJ to George, do you guys want Kelly Oubre with Baines or Aiton alone? If we got the one or two pick. So you would trade the one or two pick for Kelly Oubre and Baines or DeAndre Aiton? Aiton by himself. Right. I don't see why the Suns would do it for Aiden, so I'd throw that out the window. Um, would I trade the first or second pick for both Ubre and Bain? Contract situation is a little bit odd. Um, I guess in a vacuum, I don't know. I, I I'd want to do better than, better than that before kind of saying, okay, let's do that trade. Um, maybe a trade down would be a little bit more realistic. Um, again, how do the contracts work? But I just, like I said with Ubre, in a vacuum, I don't know. Arian Baines, <laughs> uh, I think Steve Kerr would like him. But again, not not exciting. But if the, if the Warriors did get Aaron Baines, I think that would be a great fit. Um, had a career year from the three-point line. Um, wasn't a good system for him. Good screener, all, does all the stuff that that uh, that Steve Kerr likes. So I think he'd be like a a good, you know, lesser version in terms of ability to mark us off. Could could the Warriors really have Aaron Baines on the team after he broke Steph's hand this past yeah, year? Right, right. That's, <laughs> I don't. Warriors aren't going to forget that one. Right. Uh, okay. Let's move on to uh, at not the police. Andy, do you actually think Steph may go to Nike? If slash when he does, how many retroactive Finals MVPs does he get awarded to him? <laughs> um. So I think he might. Uh, that's a bailout answer. I think, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. His contract isn't up for a few years. Um, he also appears to have equity with Under Armour. Again, it could be wrong. Um, it is true. He is unhappy with Under Armour. He has been pretty unhappy with Under Armour the last few years. He has had discussions about it. He has blown up a little bit and just said, hey, kind of what are we doing here? Right. And, and can you blame him? <laughs> um, you know, I think end of the day, the question is, does Steph care how he's marketed? Does he want to be marketed the way that guys like LeBron are? Guys like KD are? Does he care about that stuff? You know, part of him probably does. I don't know if he cares as much about it as those guys. Um, he's built a little bit of a different type of brand, although to me, it feels like whatever brand he wants to do at UA, um, whatever brand he wants to do, Nike's probably going to do a better job. Like to me, I think Nike's probably going to do whatever he wants um, and, and do a great job of him. Nike has the best marketing team in the world. That, those Kaepernick commercials have got me in tears every time. Um, Nike's fantastic. Um, you know, part of me is kind of like, well, you know, Steph, he is a loyal person. Um, you know, maybe part of him is like, well, UA took a shot on me. You know, maybe I want to stay with them forever. But again, you know, he's had some tiffs with them, um, kind of on the record with the stuff where, you know, the UA CEO is a Trump supporter, wasn't standing for that. And kind of the off the record stuff where he's just not happy with the way he's he's kind of marketed or, or the way, you know, kind of the shoe sk- sales have gone and stuff like that. And, and you know, and part of this is 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 Nike's a big reason why kind of KD went to the Warriors. Not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. And Nike got what they wanted. They kind of diminished Steph Star a little bit. 
And, you know, it leads back to what the people want to hear. But, you know, where does Nike want Giannis to go? You know, they don't know. They want him to go to, to a team that's, you know, they think he can win a championship with. They they run that play before KD and it worked. And I think that Nike certainly does want Giannis to go to the Bay Area. Um, so I I, you know, may I've joked that, you know, Stefan Giannis can do a, a Nike promotion tour together at some point in two years. But uh, you know, I I don't think Steph leaves. You know, it's 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 rather unlikely that Giannis ends up in the Bay Area, maybe, but uh but I think uh I think it is it is odd or it is kind of uh not talked about enough that that shoe companies kind of push these players to places. I'm not a shoe guy. I don't care about shoes, but, uh, but I've had to, um, I've had to learn about it because it, it is, it's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like politicians where the lobbyists and the uh, people with money kind of get to decide what actually happens. It's the same thing with, uh, with shoe companies. I think maybe Sam will enjoy that political analogy. Maybe not, but all right. <laughs> Um, all right, let's uh, let's hit the next one. Um, we're going with at FYMROO. Please do a story time about any interaction with Warriors players or even ex-Warriors. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, we... we uh, yeah, it says here, Sam said to do a premium plug. He said, "Sign up for Light Years Premium." Um, uh, that's ninety-nine an ex- cents. To, that's an acceptable <laughs> answer, as far as I'm concerned. Ninety-nine cents for the first month, five dollars after that. Uh, you know, we donated our uh, our June uh, earnings, if you will, to uh, uh, to the Black Lives Matter organizations that uh, Blue Wire and KJ are donating to. So, you know, all to a good cause. But I don't know. I, I could probably do an interaction. Uh, story time. Um, I, I covered for those that don't know, because a lot of times people just, you know, they listen to light years and, well, you know, Andy just fucks around on Twitter a lot. I did cover the team. I did, I did do a little writing. I, I did do a little bit of that for, you know, the last year of Mark Jackson all the way up to, you know, I was still covering the team at Chase Center, but I was, I was not, I was kind of a little bit removed, wasn't writing as much. Um, so there's been some fun stories. You know, I wasn't best friends with any other players. You know, I'm not Marcus Thompson. Um, so we weren't boys or anything like that, but, um, but I, I do remember, um, a good moment that I had with Steph was, and, and, you know, they talk about a lot of these players, elite players, they've got great memories. Um, and, it, it, and, and this talks about how nice of a guy Steph is, um, we're in a scrum and I asked him a question about kind of like a defensive play that had happened. This must have been like 2016. This was a while ago where I was still asking questions to things that I wanted to write about in the blog. So I must have asked him about like a defensive player or something like that. And uh, he kind of like he kind of and I got like cut off by someone. Um, and then he he kind of just like he says like, "Hey, um, can you repeat that question again, Andy?" And I'm just like, "Oh." And I kind of like mumble. I was like, "Oh, like you know who I am." And 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 uh, he just chuckled. He just chuckled and he went ahead and answered the question. Um, and and to me, it's like I don't I don't ask for one on one interviews. I don't do this. I don't, I just I show up. I've been in the locker room. I go to press conferences. I write about players. Um, and I think that was kind of a cool story for me, just to say like, Steph as a person, really nice dude. Um, players also read pretty much everything that you write, and the guy does notice you know what you're doing uh, uh, <laughs> in the locker room. So 
not the craziest story, um, but something that tells me like it should have portended to uh, KD kind of reading everyone's tweets and being in everyone's DMs. These players, man, they read everything and they see everything. Um, and they kind of know who are kind of like the people that um, that are, I guess, quote unquote, on their side or not. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of locker room politics and things like that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be other stories that pop up in my head. But that, that was a, that was kind of a cool one. It was kind of like a, a year or two, maybe still kind of like celebrity shy when I was like, oh, like Steph knows who I am. That's kind of cool. So maybe that's why I did Steph better. But we'll move on from there. That may be the sweetest story I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Uh, before we before we move on to the next couple of questions, you want to you want to pay these bills real quick? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. All right, all right. So we got a couple fun ones this week. If those that didn't hear last week, Ooh. well, first one up's Ben Online. So, all right. So Ben Online, you know how this goes. Our longest partner. I think they've been our partner like for a year. I want to say just a just an incredible amount of time. I'm waiting for this to load. Uh, as we're doing this, but they, they've been they've been our partner for years. Like you, you know how this goes. BetOnline.com.ag. Um, sports are coming back. MLB is coming back. NBA is coming back. UFC's been back. They've had Fight Island. Incredible. I'm not even a USC fan, but I'm watching UFC. Um, NASCAR, uh, boxing, soccer. Right. So I'm betting on all of that. You know, wins, losses. We're not talking about that. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, UFC all day long, every day, live on the website. Um, and if you're looking for something other than sports, please don't go to Vegas. Just, there's no reason for that. Just sit at home, bet online, hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, prop bets you can check out. Visit betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, as always, for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, so you guys know what's coming up next. Let me pull up the script. All right. Sam texted me the other day, sent me a picture, and said, hey, Manscaped, lawnmower, incredible. All right, maybe he didn't send a picture. Maybe he didn't send a picture. But, but, Manscaped, all right? Uh, support for this, for light years, brought to you by Manscaped. Best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Um, like I said, you know, Sam, big Manscaped fan. Me, big man. They sent me two. We've done so many ad reads for Man- Manscaped at this point that they're sending me multiple ones. Um, they're amazing. That's why Manscaped redesigned the electric trimmer. The engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents everyone's had one of those thanks to manscaped's uh skin safe technology when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave uh i'm asian so i don't have that much hair uh, the water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise tr- trimming. We've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Certainly a great name. Let's not forget about the charging stand. Show off your mower. Or sorry, show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, and you have for the last 30 minutes, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk. Get 20% off free shipping 
and free shipping with the code LIGHTYEARS at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping. Code LIGHTYEARS. Together. LIGHTYEARS. At manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. LIGHTYEARS. At manscaped.com. All right. Well, time to transition to a <laughs> question about LeBron. Uh, so from at Gabe, Gabe's story time, thoughts on how LeBron promotes shitty looking tacos for Taco Tuesday instead of he- heading to authentic taco spots. Yeah, very odd. I mean, I you know, to me, it's corny. You know, it's corny. LeBron's corny. You know, he's a corny guy. Steph, Steph can be a little corny. Steph is corny. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these NBA guys are just not really cool. You know, I, I just haven't seen. You know, we we did a, we watched the Last Dance and we watched the Last Dance and we're like, oh, NJ's pretty cool. You know, the fashion's kind of whack. I don't know about those pants. Although I wasn't really, I wasn't really cognizant of what I was wearing when I was five years old, nineteen ninety six. But, um, you know, the MJ was cool. He was cool. I don't think anything LeBron does is really that cool. You know, he, he, he's a great player. He's just, he does great things. But his stuff that he does really cool. What, what does LeBron do that's really cool? Kobe was cool. You know, you, sh- you shoot, you know, I'm going to shoot this beer in my recycle can later and say Kobe. So, I mean, it's ultimately harmless to me. Um, but I think it is kind of interesting to say like, well, LeBron's probably the greatest player of this, you know, the last you know, 15 years or whatever. And I just don't think he's a cool guy. <laughs> I was like, he's a cool guy. So there you go. Take that for what it is. There it is. I think we all kind of lose that label once you have kids. I, I, I think that's just like a general. I'm starting to experience that as well. Is uh, that I, how it works? I mean, I was never cool, but the level of it just kind of decreases to another level once you have a child uh, because yeah. you just don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> all right. Go on. on to, good for him. Go on to the next question here from at Joe Pro 18. Which team is better or who would win in a seven game series? Run TMC or we believe. Yeah, I can't answer this one. Just I didn't watch TMC. Um, so we ben, maybe you want to answer. Maybe you want to answer this one. You see, you want TMC. Maybe you can take this one. I, I won't take this. I just think we believe was a more talented team, just or deeper. I should say, uh, like if you're if they're going head to head, kind of the same. It's it's literally the same play style. Um, we believe just had a deeper team, and I think they're the versatility of those players just kind of would outdo those on run TMC. Uh, I think run TMC's top three was probably a little bit better than we believe's top three, but we believe was definitely uh, like, if, and again, in a seven game series, we believe is probably wearing, you know, TMC down for sure. I like that. All I right. like that. Let's uh, t- both, both, bo- both exciting though, by the way. Oh, I would. Uh, at I least, would. At least that's what I've heard. I would love to uh, see a seven. I might run that on two K once we get out. Get off this <laughs> uh, this recording. Just like not uh, even. I'm not even going to play it. I just want to see it happen. Sort of. Just want to see what happens. Uh, quickly though, Joe Pro did ask me about. Uh, he, he tweeted me later and asked me about if Sam got me into soccer. Oh um, yeah, I I got I got into soccer last week. <laughs> I got into soccer honestly, man, because there's nothing else to watch. It's just there's nothing else. I needed something. And uh, soccer has been, it's been, I guess it just started. Um, I, you know, my dad's an Asian, he, you know, my mom and dad came from, from China and Hong Kong respectively, or respectively. And, uh, you know, soccer is big in ev- everywhere besides the U.S. Uh, just another thing that the U.S., you know, besides 
find the inability to wear a fucking mask. Wear a mask. Uh, besides that, it's just they just can't. They just don't think soccer is a legitimate sport. Besides women's soccer, uh, men's soccer is a complete joke here. So I just you know I got into soccer and you know it's okay. It's a little too. It's a little too slow. I don't understand the the the, the um. I don't understand the the intricacies of kind of the offensive game plans, defensive game plans. But I'm trying. I'm trying. So far, I, I like that Tottenham team because uh, they have a Korean player. I like Arsenal. Got a cool name. Um, I'll try to get in on these other other leagues and other names. I know there's a there's a big EFA Cup or something like that that's coming up next month. So I'll, I'm sure I'll be watching that. I did enjoy watching Messi. He was fantastic to watch, even though that you know they lost. But uh, but you know I'm trying to get in it. I think soccer is similar to hockey and baseball, where you know you watch these sports in the regular season, and if you're not a hardcore fan, they're probably boring. But if you watch these in the playoffs, you know there's nothing more exciting than than playoff sports. So, all right, uh, we're gonna. The, the last Twitter question is actually something I'm super in- interested to hear your take on. It's from at coldcashc21. The best Chinese dish from each province. Go. All right. So I looked up the provinces before this, and there's, I can't do it from each province. It's just like number one, I, I, I like to start it this way. I just, I don't have the best palate. I think people expect, like, I'm not a foodie. You know, I grow up, I eat at the same kind of, four or five spots that I love in the sunset. You know, I love Kevin's noodle house. I love Fanfo Tuan. I love kind of like the chicken fuss spot in Noriega. I love, you know, Wynn's restaurant on Terravel, like these spots in the sunset that I love that I grew up eating. So I eat, I love those. And I, I don't go, I don't go away from those because those are my spots. Um, and so I don't think I have the best palate. Um, however, by the way, Filipino food, um, really like that. Didn't put that on my list. I know. I know there that, we go. Yeah. Okay. I didn't put it on my list. Um, Salty though. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. here's the thing: Chinese food. I mean, my God, probably just as salty. But um, I mean, lumpias are are my like. I just I haven't had a really good one in a while. I just don't know where to go. I'll 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 shoot you some spots. Yeah, I I, I can help out with that. Senior, by the way, senior seasick. I just had it yesterday again. Love that spot. If you have, yeah. for I, I, that's the one I I was gonna say that's the only one I've had consistently just because it's like a food truck and it's like it's incredible popular. yeah it's yeah. so good I always get the uh, get the egg the 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 right over rice and then you know classic kind of uh, are you so actually, I, I didn't are you actually huh? Filipino <laughs> what's that are you actually Filipino people no Filipinos no. love the egg so uh, no I no I just I love the egg on everything though it's like when I when I eat Korean food or like a burger you you, you got to put a ramen right you got to put the egg on there. absolutely. Um, no matter what, so. Um, but I didn't put Filipino on. Uh, put a, didn't put Filipino food on the list. I mean, part of it's too. I haven't been to the Philippines, um, and so I can't really speak to quote unquote authentic. But again, I, I haven't been to Hong Kong since I was a kid. All right, best Chinese food from each province. So I'm gonna break it down this way. I'm gonna do central. I'm gonna do eastern. I'm gonna do northern. Three places, um, and those are the three kind of ones that I've had a lot, and I can at least speak to those. So central China, um, I think Sichuan. Or Sichuan. Um, not my type of Chinese. Not where my parents are from. Not the type that I like. Um, but my favorite dish, if I were to eat that, not a vegetable person. I actually really despise vegetables. But I've gotten into eating vegetables because I'm old now or older and I need to be healthier as I'm drinking the soju. Uh, dry stir green beans um, are fantastic. I love it. You know, it's a little spicy. It's a little salty. 
Um, and it's kind of like the one vegetable that I like actually enjoy eating. It's perfect with rice. Um, and, and it's, it's just, there's something about it where it's just like, you can eat like 20 of these things, or you can eat like a bowl of these things where to me, it's like, it's just a hassle for me to even eat steamed broccoli, um, which is kind of like usually what I go with. Um, so that's probably my type I, it, spices. I think in, in the Richmond district and here in San Francisco is good. I think it's Szechuan style. Um, there's a little bit of like kind of a numbing flavor to it. Um, and so I used to love it. It's just, I used, it, I used to love spicy food, but my stomach can't handle it anymore. So I just, I'm not, I just, I just can't eat that as much. So I'll, I'll go with the dry, dry green beans, the, the stir, the dry stir green beans. Um, next one up Eastern China. Uh, so Guangzhou. So that's more where I'm from. Uh, so that's more, uh, that's what I know. Um, so yesterday I kind of tweeted kind of a couple of the ones that I love. Um, you know, kind of the, the shrimp and egg ho fun, you know, the roast duck, um, the, uh, but I, for this, the dish that I like that I grew up eating that my dad got me on and I haven't stopped eating since extremely unhealthy, uh, salt and pepper pork, fried salt and pepper pork. Um, it's hard to make a lot of restaurants don't make it very well. Uh, it's cheap, right? Cause it's Chinese food. So you got to kind of like find a good place that does it right. Um, there's a couple of spots in Noriega that I like, um, jumbo, uh, it's, I think really good. Um, it's like a couple blocks down from that wall. It's like, I want to say 28th, 29th Ave in Noriega. Um, I think it's fantastic. Salt and pepper pork, uh, and then mapo tofu. Um, that's just, I think everyone knows that it's like spicy tofu, uh, with like grounded pork, um, some jalapenos sometimes, uh, not, I don't get it that spicy because I can't eat spicy that much, but those are like the two big ones. Um, you give me those two, you give me, you know, just a massive amount of rice and I'm just basically eating it till I throw up. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's why I grew up. That's what I grew up eating. Uh, me and my brother used to do eating competitions and just, um, uh, and just, you know, there you go. All right. Last one, Northern China. Um, a little bit odd. This one's like a little bit sweet, kind of a little bit sour to me. It's like, too many sauces it's just like a lot it's just like enveloped with sauces and and i just i like to i like the fried food you know i i like the kind of it, they they'll just make they'll make like a fish and like when i think of northern chinese they'll just like make a fried fish but they'll throw which i'm cool with um you know canto style you make a fried fish you put some soy sauce on it it's amazing but like the northern style it's like they do this thing where like they'll make a fried fish but they'll also put on like don't completely cover it with di- with different types of sauces that like taste kind of spicy but also kind of like sour and sweet at the same time just not my type of style so if i were to pick one i'd probably go with the peking duck a little bit different from the uh the roast duck uh, but peking duck is fantastic i just think any duck just any way you make it uh quail is right up there as well i love fried quail um so those are the uh those are the best chinese dishes uh that i love Excellent list. I'm taking notes. Um, so th- thank you for that. All right. So the Twitter questions have all been answered. We're now moving into questions from Discord. So it's uh, I haven't screened these questions, so we'll see how it goes. But um, let's let, let, let's get moving here. So from at Daymaculate, Andy, from your perspective, what is the mildest take you've gotten the most aggressive negative response to on Twitter, and what is the hottest take? that people have surprisingly agreed with 
or at least not bothered to be loud mad about. Please categorize answers accordingly into warriors slash Asian food slash horny hours takes. Wow. This is a loaded question. Yeah, it just there's a lot going on here. My God. Um all right, let's start with the taco tweet. Let's start with the taco tweet. I've gotten the most shit for the taco tweet. I just I didn't think it was that hard of a take. Gotta be honest. Like I said, my palate's not the greatest. Didn't think I had that hard of a take. Look, I said I said that why what's the point of a taco? It's like a mini burrito. Like I said that a long time ago. I think it was like 2015. Look, I was like, hey, why do I want a taco? If I can just get more meat, I can get more just variety. I can get more filling and I could, I'd rather just get a burrito. You know, since then, I take it back. I take it back. Whoa, huge. Yeah, I take it back. I took it back. There's different ways to make a burrito. I mean, sorry, there's different ways to do a taco. Hard tacos, soft tacos, you know, barrier. There's this thing called barrier tacos. Now, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Probably not. But like. You know, you can more guacamole, you know, more more onion, you know, just different ways. Look, I'm like I said, not the most sophisticated. I take it back. I regret it. I got a lot of shit and I still do. It's incredible. It's incredible the amount, the lengths people will go to, to, to kind of talk about. It's like, it's weird. I think Mexican food is a thing like people are really snobby about uh, when they're not Mexican. I think people like don't feel like they can be snobby about food. But when it's Mexican food, like, I think like people, everyone has a take. Everyone has a take about Mexican food, which is, I think, a little bit fascinating, maybe worth diving into someday, but uh, maybe not on this podcast. Um, horny hours take I get nothing back on. Uh, you know, I always tweet about Asian women. Nobody gives me feedback on that. Nobody. People love it. You know, people love it. I think everyone just loves Asian women. That's just it's just how the world works. You know, I get no I get no negative feedback. Just everything's just positive reinforcement. Um, so it's great. People loved, you know, people love the Lauren Sai. I tweet Lauren Sai all the time. Terrace House, you know, they love that one. Best reaction. I think I tweeted it on like Christmas, and I must have had like fifty people just, just you know, doing the whole, you know, Andy saved me from, you know, from a helicopter crash or something like that. You know, some crazy. Um, so you know, I've gotten the best reaction ever from stuff like that. Just, just. And even more so now because it's quarantine. You know, the people aren't doing anything. Um, aggressive negative responses. You know, I think with with me, I, d- I tweet a lot about LeBron. Um, maybe a little bit less so now. But I did get a lot of re- uh, negative response from his little stands when, uh, when I said that LeBron James is kind of the upper class in the basketball world. You know, he has he's afforded a certain type of privilege that certain people in the real world is afforded. And uh, people are not happy with me when I when I say that. So, um, but it is what it is. You know, he's he's the best player. Or he's one of the best players, and he takes advantage of that. Um, also, got a lot of negative feedback uh, by OKC fans and media uh, when I roasted media for covering his exit from go to, um, from OKC to Golden State. I got a lot of people that were not happy. There was a visceral hatred that I don't think was prevalent in Warriors fans when KD left. Uh, again, different scenario, but um, just a lot of people that were uh, that were angry, and I loved it. You know, I think, you know, that what was that four years ago now? You know, I was twenty four. You know, I could unleash some. Just, I just wanted to get the people going, and uh, and I, I think there was a there was a little unfairness. Uh, I think with the way that they treated Durant, but 
Interestingly enough, I think Warriors fans have almost kind of agree with OKC fans about Durant, at least in terms of who Durant is as a person, not so much as who Durant as to how Kevin Durant left. I don't think Warriors fans were angry or anything like that that KD left, but I think they were frustrated with the way that he acted when he was in Golden State. And I think that is a little bit similar to how OKC fans felt. So there you go. There it is. All right. Our next question comes to us from Option Zero, aka Jonathan Ma. Oh boy. Uh, this is this is like a goddamn essay. All right, let me let me get into this. How many championships is the next one that Steph wins worth? Two, three, six? Does one more title put Steph ahead of Montana in historic Bay Area athlete approval ratings? They'd have the same number of titles. Both joined crappy franchises and revolutionize the game. I was pretty young for Montana, but you can feel his impact today in 49ers recognition worldwide decades later. Steph will have the same. Posey and Bumgarner got rings, but it's baseball. Who cares? And that Giants team never dominated. Bonds had the scandal. That's how he ended the question. Jonathan Ma. Just a goddamn character. Um... I love him. He's fantastic. I love all the listeners. I just the fact that people listen to Light Years podcast. Um, I, I started like three podcasts before I got onto this one, um, and I've just been happy with just kind of people listening. Just people listening. People caring about the Warriors. I think you know John Ma was pissed at me and Sam for mailing in, but I, I honestly, I think I took it as I thought it was amazing. You get that kind of passion from fan bases. That's what you want. Those are the best kind of fans. It's not like they're crossing the line. I'm not saying anything racist or anything like kind of whatever, right? You're just passionate. That's what I love. That's We need more of that. We need more of that. People just love the game. To answer the question, I think Steph needs two more uh, to, to get to the top of the list for Barry athletes. All-time list. So I'm too young to watch Joe Montana, but that is someone that I have read about. I have kind of like watched. I have like... Like, I wanted to know about Joe Montana because the guy was a winner, you know? And I wanted to know, like, the dude was 4-0 in the goddamn Super Bowl. He was invincible. And I think that's kind of the main thing about Joe Montana, that I think if Steph is going to, to supplant Joe as number one or Jerry Rice as number one, there was, a, in, there was an air of invincibility with these guys, right? And, and, you know, there's no better thing than being a quarterback, Right, I, the high school I went to, it's not like huge sports or anything like that. But if you're the starting quarterback of a high school team, or you're a starting quarterback at LSU, or you're a starting quarterback even of the freaking Miami Dolphins, you are most likely the most famous guy in that high school, in that city, in that state, LSU, in that, you know, in that, just whatever, in that place, Florida. Right, you're the most famous guy. Um. And I think that's what Joe Montana was. And he was absolutely unstoppable. He couldn't lose. He couldn't lose. He, he had comebacks, great stats. He won MVPs, two MVPs, four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs. Right? The guy was, there was nothing that could beat this guy. And I, and I think a lot of this contextual as well. I think a lot of this is, you know, boomers are never going to, you know, they're never going to say that somebody's better than Joe Cool. I think, you know, that guy is just going to be the best. Joe Cool, Jerry Rice, like these guys just, they don't, they don't lose. I think that's like the thing with Michael Jordan. You look at MJ, it's the guy doesn't lose. 
He's never lost. He's never lost. You look at LeBron, you can say he's the GOAT, but my God, the guy's lost six times on the biggest stage. And so let's take this back to Steph. Three titles, two MVPs, but two losses in the NBA Finals. Now, you can kind of explain the losses. You can say, you know, whatever happened in 2016 was bullshit. And you can say whatever happened in 2019 was, you know, injuries. But again, losses are losses. Right? Losses are losses. Can you imagine if Steph had won 73 and 9 and capped it off with the championship? You know, injury, no injury, whatever. Suspension, no suspension. Is Steph had capped off 73 and 9 with a title? I mean, I don't, right? Like, he's right up there. If Steph Curry beat the Toronto Raptors after Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt, I mean, I mean, the guy's probably number one on the list right now, right? I mean, obviously, that's five championships. But, you know, maybe he's four and one even. And I think, like, he'd only need one more. But there's an invincibility factor that I don't think that Steph Curry has, that Joe Montana has. Now, how does he get there? Um, I think Steph has maybe more of an impact in terms of what the Warriors are. I think, you know, he's going to relate more to the people that obviously are millennials. But he also moved the Warriors from Oakland to San Francisco. The Warriors were terrible forever, forever, until Steph Curry came along and brought this team back to relevancy. He brought brought KD over here. Um, And I think he has to win a couple titles. And KD's gone. And now it's kind of on Steph Curry. Like if Steph, if the Warriors win a championship, you know, it, it, Steph's going to be the best player on the team. He was the best player in 2014-15, and he deserved to be the best player on that team. And so I think if he wins two more titles, I think he becomes the top, you know, as the best player, I think he becomes the number one player in the Bay Area. And I, here's the thing. I think to a lot of people that are my age, Steph Curry's already the number one guy. Like you don't need to convince Joe Schmo on the street that's 27 years old that grew up in the in San Francisco that Steph Curry or Oakland that Steph Curry is the best player ever in the Bay Area. You don't need to. Like Steph Steph's already the best. Um quickly on the Giants, they were never that good. Um, I don't think you can do like Buster and you know, Buster won an MVP, but you know, the, the success, like even he's kind of a fringe Hall of Fame guy now. Madison Bumgarner was never Cy Young, right? Even Tim Linscombe was a better pitcher in his prime, but just fantastic postseason runs. Um, they're not Joe Flacco. They're not fluky like that, but they are, you know, they've won three titles. They're fantastic, but just not really number one type of guys. You kind of need the whole breadth of uh, accomplishments. Uh, Barry Bonds, just, you know, I, there's nobody better than that guy, right? Like there's no, you know, he's probably better as a, as a baseball player than Steph is as a basketball player. Um, you know, I, he's broken every record of baseball. So you could probably say he's a better player than as in baseball and Joe Montana is as football. And in baseball, it's hard to win a championship. You can't win a championship as one guy. You just can't, no matter how good you are. You could be Mike Trout, and he, the guy never makes the playoffs. <laughs> never makes the playoffs because management sucks. They can't put players around him. So, um, so I think Steph, he's got some cool contextual off the court stuff uh, with the with Chase Center and uh, a couple more championships. I think he's there. All right. Uh, moving on to another question from the Discord channel. Uh, at Kish asks, without Giannis or another star, are the Warriors still a perennial championship team? Is Steph and Clay's health a real concern for title aspirations if no other star joins? Um, Again, another question that we've got 30 times. I love it. Um, although maybe not phrased this way. Um, 
Health concern, real thing? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, Steph hasn't been healthy through a playoff series, the playoff run since, I mean, I guess he was healthy last year, but even he messed his finger up. Um, and he was healthy 2016-17. They went 16-1, and one, right? They were the greatest team in all of basketball. Um, but he was healthy 14-15. They won a championship. He wasn't healthy 15-16. They lost. So yeah, absolutely health, um, especially with a guy that's 6'3 and going to be 33 now. Uh, Clay Thompson coming off an ACL, absolutely. Um, the first part of the question, sorry, I'm kind of zoning out here a little bit. Um, oh, like, are they still a perennial championship team? Got it. Without Giannis or um, Without Giannis, I think they're still... A, it It depends. You know, if Sam was here, he would say, you know, it depends on the margins. It depends what they're going to do around these guys. But to answer the question, I mean, it's very simply, they, they should be. They should be. They should be. There's no reason that they shouldn't be. Now, are they going to be favorites? Probably not. Probably not. But can they win a championship? Yes. I, I don't think that AD and, and LeBron and Giannis and then you got Kawhi and Peach. I don't think these guys are so great that you're going to say, well, the Warriors can't beat them. You know, I think it's 16, 17 and 17, 18 and even 19, 20. You could probably say, Look, if the Warriors, and even 14, 15, in my opinion, and 15, 16, really, look, if these guys are healthy, the Warriors are healthy, you're not beating these guys. You're just not beating these guys. There's no way. And I think you look at the team today, and I think that's where kind of the difference is, is the Warriors were that fucking good. You know, the Warriors are healthy, you're not winning. You know, these guys that were playing it out, or, or the Warriors are going to play, even if they're healthy, the Warriors can beat them. You know, are they going to beat them? They play the series 10 times. Are they going to beat them 10 times? No. Maybe they lose six times. Maybe they lose five times. But they can win. And I think that's the part where it's like, you know, if you're Steph Clay and you're Draymond, I, look, even if you bring in just kind of, you know, what if their offseason is just Aaron Baines and Mo Harkless and, you know, just kind of boring, you know, Glenn Robinson back. Look, you know, they'll probably finish as the four, five seed, three seed, maybe tops. But I do accept them to, I do expect them to be a contender. You should be. You should be. These guys aren't washed. And I think that's a lot of times, like, I think I disagree with Sam where it's like, dude, Clay's not washed. Draymond's not washed. Like, these guys can still hoop. They should still hoop. You know, you don't expect them to be washed in your early 30s. Um, and if you are, well, you better pray that Anthony Edwards is good. All right. All right. Kind of circling back to something you talked about earlier from at Batten AQ. Best Korean drama for people who've never watched Korean dramas before. <laughs> all right. We are winding down here, huh? Um, all right. Best best Korean drama. So I'll break these down really quickly. Uh, number one is Descendants of the Sun. That's classic Korean drama. It's, it's a little bit older. Um, the Koreans love doing like military uh, plot lines um, and, and medical. It's like medical and military. That's like the really main one that people love. I think those are just very... Um, it's like an Asian thing, right? Like everyone wants, you know, their kids to be, you know, doctors or lawyers or accountants even. Um, so military is a big one. And then in the medical field is, is a huge one. So Descendant of the Sun does both. Um, pretty, it's romance. I love romance, simp. So I love, you know, it's, it's these, the main, the main two characters actually ended up getting married in real life. So it's a pretty cool story. Now they also ended up getting divorced. So spoiler. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's a cool story. Great chemistry. Uh, and they bring together like pretty much every single K-drama trope ever. Great soundtrack. Um, so that's probably number one. Crash Landing on You. I think this one's pretty famous at this point. Everybody knows this one. Um, this one is, is the drama of uh, North and South Korea um, and how North and South Korea divide is, is 
dividing these two, this two, this couple from meeting each other. Just, just Korean dramas are literally the most dramatic. There's nothing more dramatic than Korean dramas. I think Japanese animes are pretty like depressing, but not really dramatic. It's just very heavy. Korean dramas just very like every conversation is just like they'll just like they'll throw on like a they'll throw on a soundtrack you know for three minutes then like every breath is like really loud. They do this whole thing where it's it's just super dramatic. Crash Landing is a big one. Everybody loves it. Um, and then the IU drama is my third one. Um, it's called My Mister. Um, and that one's my favorite one um, of all time. It's actually my favorite show of all time. Um, oh, ever. Um, the Wire and Friday Night Lights were right there for me. Um, but this one kind of uh, transcended that for me. Um, it's it's a little it's a slow burn, um, but it's it's very realistic. It kind of talks about the trials and tribulations of people that live in like just hard upbringings, rough neighborhoods, stuff like that. So I thought that was good. Um, I think a lot of times uh, a good thing about K dramas for me too is like you have to pay attention. You can't be on your phone. It it helps with attention span. A lot, of, a lot of us guys, just a lot of us people, just can't watch a show without checking the phone every two minutes. Um, and Korean dramas help help uh, help do that. So those are the top three. I can go like five more, but I'm just gonna do, do those three. I would recommend watching those three probably in order. Um, and I think if you watch those three, you're probably good. I think most K dramas are probably just gonna be a variation of those. <laughs> uh, crime dramas, I wouldn't watch Korean stuff. I would watch Hong Kong uh, stuff. That's what they're known for. TVB. There it is. Is that it? No, we got we got two more. We'll get we'll get cool. you out on these. Uh, right. From at Dion underscore Tay, you think Lamelo is the best asset the Warriors can pick up in the draft? Uh, it depends on the team. Uh, I'll do this one quickly. It depends on the team. I think, uh, you know, if if to me, it's like the Warriors aren't going to pick up Lamelo. So that's not the question. The question is, if the Warriors have the number one pick or the number two pick, and Lamelo falls to them. Is it the best asset? Yeah, I mean, the Knicks probably would trade up for him. Let's say the Knicks get the seventh pick for some reason. I don't know if that's possible, but maybe they get a late pick. Yeah, I think the Knicks would trade up for him. I think the Suns would trade up for him. I think there are teams that would do that. Um, And I think at that point, yeah, that's a good asset. I don't think teams are trading up for James Wiseman. I don't even think teams are trading up for Anthony Edwards. But LaMelo Ball, you know, you combine the the ability. He's a good, I like LaMelo. Um, high IQ to me, great feel. Feel is huge to me. You can't really coach that, like I talked about earlier. So, good free throw shooting percentage. So maybe it pretends to a good three point shot. I think Lonzo has a good three point shot now. Um, so maybe you can look at that as kind of like a, a projection. But uh, yeah, I think it's probably the best asset. Yeah, probably. All right, all right. We'll get you out of here on this last question from a Looney Stan account on oh. Discord. <laughs> What hurts Bron stands more? Lakers losing in the first round or Bron getting the Rona and AD leads the Lakers to a championship without him? All right. Oh, All right. my God. Um, no, I don't want LeBron to get the Rona. Um, let's not do that. Um, AD leads to the championship without him is pretty funny, though. I don't think that's possible. We saw AD play with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, and we saw that, you know, it, it is a thing. My take with AD is, is I love AD. Um, I think he's fantastic, but there's too much crowning of these guys that are just like, oh, AD is a top five player now. Can we see it first? Can we watch him do it? Can we watch AD play in a Western Conference finals game? You know, he's probably going to be fantastic. He's probably going to drop 30, 
know, probably 14 rebounds, you know, three blocks, two steals because he's great. But can I at least see it happen <laughs> in real life before, you know, kind of saying this guy is, you know, top five player of this generation? Like, yeah, top five talent. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I probably rank James Harden, Steph Curry, Kawhi, LeBron, Jan, like maybe not even Giannis, but like, you know, some of these guys that just have done it. Durant. These guys have played in big games. Like, give me those guys. I don't know. I don't know if KD can do. Uh, AD can do it. Um, so that's the thing, uh, you know. So I, I don't think he leads the Lakers to the championship without LeBron. Um, Lakers losing the first round. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the most likely out of the three. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think a lot of LeBron stuff nowadays is just is just. I, I think people see through it. I, I think that's what I'll say. For me, it's it's. I don't. To me, it's it's to the point where it's. I think people see through it, man. I don't think if Kendrick Perkins is going on TV and talking about, oh, LeBron's the MVP, and you know you should be playing this, you should be. I don't. Th- I think people tune that stuff out. You know, I, I don't think your your average smart fan is saying is saying like, oh my god, like you know this, this, and that. LeBron is this guy. I just. I don't think. I think there's. I think we should give more credit to basketball fans now. I just. I just. At a certain point, there has to be a version of winning and losing that matters. And I think that pendulum is probably going to swing back here. I think it will. I think it will. And I think I, I think people see through it. And, you know, if LeBron wins one, great. Um, and if he doesn't, and the kind of clutch overdrive, the propaganda overdrive, you know, goes crazy, or it goes into overdrive, I should say, I think people will see through it. I think people will say... Look, man, you didn't win. I don't know. We, we can't do this. We can't do this thing where you can still be great and you can't win a championship. So, so I know with that, I think uh, I want fans to be, uh, I want fans to care more about winning because if you don't watch sports and you don't want somebody to win, then how the fuck are we watching sports? So, all right. <laughs> with that, Jesus, an hour and a half of Flight Years podcast by myself. God. You, you're cu- you're coming for Coward's job, man. That was uh, I, once you hit your groove there, I was like, oh, he's he's locked in. He's a, <laughs> like Steph in the third uh, quarter. Uh, I uh, I appreciate it. All right, man, producer Ben, thank you, sir. We will uh, we'll we'll be back with Sam on premium on Thursday. So see y'all then. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.